Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. And now, it's time for the Lakeside Drive F1 podcast. Here are your hosts and my supreme leaders, James Baldwin, Campy, and Freya Brolsma. Expectations are met for the 23rd race of the 2023 season. Sorry, the first race of the 2024 season where Max Verstappen wins. What an absolute surprise to literally none of us. But is the Red Bull as dominant as we were expecting? Yes, especially if your teammate is Sergio Perez because he finished 22.4 seconds behind Max Verstappen. But of course, there's plenty to talk about in Bahrain, up and down the grid. And to do that, I am joined by my friends and yours, Freya Brolsma. Hello, mate. G'day. How are we? Yes, very tired. Thank you for asking. And Thomas J. Camp, who also was awake at the ungodly hour of two o'clock in the morning. Yes, I'm well, mate. I'm well, Freya. How are you? Yep. Very good. Thank you. <laughs> good. Well, we've I all was not up at two o'clock in the morning. No, you weren't. Uh, but it was, it was, well... We, look, we won't we won't turn this to a running chat. Yet. Oh, God, that did. <laughs> but I was up early, in. but for different reasons. Yeah, yeah, mm. exactly. Hey, if, uh, if how far did you run this morning? Seventeen miles. Can you so can you use a unit of measurement that everyone understands? That will be around about twenty-seven k's, twenty-seven point three, I reckon. That's twenty-eight two kilometers too far, to be very honest. Um, just very quickly, if you if you are a good human being and you want to support a really good cause, Freya is running the London Marathon. She's doing this clearly under duress by someone. Um, there's someone out of frame holding a gun or something. Because <laughs> why would you do this on purpose, Maddie J? Why would you do this on purpose? Let me know in the Discord. Uh, but seriously, really, really good to get behind. Uh, link is in the show description if you want to support Freya. We'll put it uh, as many places as we can. Freya, how long away is the marathon? Seven weeks. Uh, so it is. Get, we're starting to get those last couple of really long um, pieces in. So, mm. yeah, I can't wait. Okay, I don't care anymore. Amazing. Don't want to talk about running anymore. That's boring. Let's talk about <laughs> Bahrain. Uh, uh, there's plenty to go through. To be fair, running, doing... running could be more exciting than no, some of the races. Absolutely. Coming up if today absolutely had anything not. To no, couldn't, even the most, but Monaco is still more important and more interesting than running. Uh, plenty to get through. Our team by team analysis. We'll talk about the national anthem, the fly. 
flyover, uh, Discord comments of the week, and F1 fantasy. Coming up in this episode of the Lakeside Drive F1 podcast. TJC. A uh, couple of things. Firstly, uh, I'm going to start with an apology. Um, I've watched the episode on Alpine with Drive to Survive and firmly landed in the Bruno is an absolute piece of work. So remove any any kind of things that I had for him. I am just removing Alpine, everyone from Alpine, from any kind of good points system in my book. Uh, what an absolute useless organisation. Hey, Bruno, it's going so well for you so far, hey? Isn't Anya upgrades going well? <laughs> your head of arrows quit, your head of designs just quit, and you're right at the very back of the pack, save for some issues with two other cars. How's Alpine going? Otmar must be just absolutely bloody loving himself, Campy. Well, there you go. Got that one right. <laughs> Off to a good start this year. One from one. <laughs> Don't know about my podium predictions, no. but uh, uh, yeah. Look, it's a yeah, it's a shame to see, isn't it? But that's what happens when you don't get your off-track organisational structures right. There's no way you can improve with the discontinuity uh, that that team's had in the last five years, really, since um, Cyril Beeple left. So. Mm. Cyril's looking like a pretty good job. Look, he's doing a pretty good job. So it's unfortunate, but a French team, two French drivers. Did we really expect anything less than what's happened? <laughs> I so, can't help it. Yeah, can't and I'm here help for it. it. Yes, you are. Well, where, where does that leave off on? Yeah, take that and, grin off your face, Campy. You're loving this. <laughs> Where does that leave Ocon and Gasly's status for a drive next year? We got nine nine drivers almost every team except for Ferrari with the driver out of contract. What do their stocks look like? Do they do they get drives next year on the back of a poor performance and a poor car? I think reputationally Gasly's probably a bit better than Ocon, but I'm not sure that there'd be another team out there looking to pick them up when there's possibly some other drivers coming through. Are you still in the butler's pantry, by the way? No, 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 I'm not. Yeah. Okay, sorry, I forgot to ask. <laughs> Polishing the silver, are we, Campy, <laughs> yeah, while no. you uh, throw it at the French? Butler's <laughs> in residence today, so I had to leave his face. Uh, <laughs> My butler's name was Carl, by the way. <laughs> It's another apology because you said you didn't have one and you didn't grow up with a silver spoon in your mouth last week. Uh, so that was interesting. Um, I want to talk about the national anthem. Campy, uh, we had a full marching band set up. Your musical professional thoughts? The Bahrain Police Band. Oh, I was actually quite impressed. Not the greatest anthem we've ever seen. Certainly not mm. the worst anthem we've ever seen. Good start mm. to the year. I'm excited for mm. all the, uh, the anthems coming our way this year. Big note on the the US anthem's always the greatest. It's the greatest anthem in the world. Uh, the Italian anthem, when it goes breaks down, it goes da 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 da. That's they're mm-hmm. probably the two best parts of the year that I'm looking forward to. If I'm really honest, so great start. <laughs> To, to steal a line from uh, friends of the podcast Box of Neutrals, clearly this is just a preview of the 2025 season where Lewis Hamilton goes to Ferrari. Uh, Freya, just before we started recording, I heard you talk about in a positive way or not the, about the flyover. What were your uh, what were your thoughts of the Golf Fair 787? Uh, it was there. Yes. That's about it. Um, mm. I think if they are going to use um, biofuel or whatever it was, that means that they can 
put more planes out there and give us something really spectacular to kick off the season. Um, I understand that they're thinking about their carbon footprint and all of those things. I think we all understand how much of a value that truly is to the nature of this sport. Mm. So I think um, when we see things like that, it just... It's a bit tongue-in-cheek, to be entirely honest, when they start putting sustainability at the forefront of the spectacle because it doesn't seem to apply to so much of what else they do. Um, so the the start of the season, <laughs> our Campy and I were just saying that um, if we wanted something to get us really excited and an epic flyover would have been just the thing. Um, so... Yes. <laughs> By all accounts, it looked like uh, it had a couple of passes, not just one flyover, which is normally what happens at Abu Dhabi. They just do one and then it bugs off. So at least it came back for another crack. But then but, but then you just feel like you're sitting under an airport. Like it's not as though you've got the, for me. The, the red arrows, whatever they are, kind of doing something amazing or some acrobatics or something like that. Um it feels like I'm literally sitting um, by the airport, which, by the way, we've got one. It's about three kilometres that way, so I can go and look at a big plane whenever I want. <laughs> okay, don't rub Something it in. Something a bit exciting would have been great. <laughs> don't all live near an airport anymore. Uh, look, it's uh, you're, you're right. I think the good thing is at least there was one, right, because we saw plenty of instances yeah. last year where it didn't occur. As many people know, I'm a bit of an av geek, so I was a big fan to see just something in the air. Surely it can get better from here. And now it's time for the Discord comment of the week. Let's go to our Discord comments of the week. Freya, shall we start with you? Sure. Uh, Mine goes to Beefcake Mega, which was it really hammers home how Andretti wouldn't fit in, what with all this competitiveness in the old uh, Joey Tribbiani uh, <laughs> quote marks, um, obviously in in reference to the 52-second pit stop, um, which we were seeing going on and some of the fairly dismal performances towards the uh, the back of the grid this weekend. Yes, uh, it's just good. It's just really good content. If you've not joined our Discord, do that because the link is in the description. A whole bunch of you have joined recently. Hopefully you've enjoyed it. Campy, what, did, what was your pick? Well, I've gone for Ross two weeks in a row now. Oh. Uh, I've also gone was, for Ross. No honestly, likes to show off, Ross. Just settle down. This was a reply to your comment, James, about Crofty being just absolutely onto it and professional and awesome for the first first round of Formula One. He said, "I'm surprised he didn't suggest Donald Glover is related to Donald Glover of all people." <laughs> Are you sure that's what the quote was? Yeah. Not sure that's I don't right. think that's right. Anyway. I found that two minutes ago. <laughs> no, I don't think you've quoted that correctly. Uh, well, mine is also Ross, and I can quote this directly. Newey is probably thinking he can shave a few tents off the Austrian anthem. Um, it's yeah, the only, that was great. There's only two Enjoyed anthems that. that we don't need to hear more than once this year, uh, and that is the Austrian and the Dutch national anthem. Well, in person, I should say, because we'll hear it literally everywhere else. Um, are you happy with that was the quote, Campy? It is the quote. I'm surprised he didn't suggest Donald Glover is related to Donald Donald Glover. It was about Ted, not Crofty, sorry, because Ted was also off to a cracking start this week. (laughs) Ted, let's – we no longer do Tommy T's television broadcast review because many of you who are listening have no idea who that is. And unlike other shows, Australian F1 shows, we don't keep the dead alive on the podcast. Uh, (laughs) When it comes (laughs) – when it comes to the broadcast, though, I do want to mention a couple of things. Firstly, 
Uh, Ted was just in absolute fine form in his notebook. I was uh, writing up the F1 briefing whilst listening to him and had to turn him off because I was getting distracted by random things that he was saying that just had absolutely nothing to do with the race. Um, So he was in fine form and it didn't take long. And I haven't really heard Brundle do this for a very long time. It didn't take long for Brundle to accost the turbocharged V6 uh, that we've got now, we've had since 2014. He's like, you know, it's 10 years and it's the worst thing that ever happened to this sport and it's too heavy and, oh, well, we're stuck with it now. And I was like, oh, Brundle, where have you been? <laughs> it's just, the last time I really heard you talk about this was like 15, 16. Uh, anyway, uh, the the broadcast was all over at Freya. I do have uh, one penalty, though, for Brundle, which was um, a real throwback, which just was not... Um, what's the word, relevant um, to what was happening on track either, which was when he started going, I remember overtaking Nicky Lauda once. <laughs> <laughs> I was like. Grasping its straws for relevance. Oh, come on. <laughs> this is not Box of Neutrals. Freya, you uh, hosted last week, so I think this is a good opportunity to uh, throw back to last week to prove just how incredibly wrong we are about Formula One still (laughs) with our predictions. (laughs) Well, to be fair, you Mm. and I, James, Mm. did at least get our third place predictions correct Mm -hmm. and I did say that Leclerc would have something go wrong with his car, I thought it would be more significant than it was, something along the lines of an engine failure, but as it was, he did have significant issues. So I feel like that did kind of play out. But Campy, your uh, podium <laughs> was Max, Ricardo, and Piastri. How's that going for you, mate? Yeah, look, not great, but, you know, people want some entertainment. They don't want to hear the same old bland, let's get this right. We've got a fantasy league for that, which I totally forgot about, so I'm already out of this year's competition. So from, so. from here on here on in Campy's predictions will just be his fantasy league and will live up to its name. You also had Sargent in last and then your bold prediction was Hamilton turn one to crash. So you're going to have to make a step up um, if you want to if you want to hold on to your um, self-proclaimed title of being the F1 prophet. Got well, Sargent Max was though, correct. Right. I've got Max right. You got, Ma- you right. got front and back. You got the front and the back. Everything else in the middle is is <laughs> inconsequential. Welcome to the sandwich, campy sandwich. It's what you do with it. Um, yeah, interesting, Freya. That you uh, said, uh, Sonoda. Or did you say no? That's oh, you. I said sorry. That was me. I said Ricardo and uh, Sonoda outside the podium positions. They were not just very, very outside <laughs> the podium positions, fighting like children. Um, Because I can't help it. We'll talk about that in uh, a little bit. But, uh, look, I think now we have a bit more of an opportunity to see where everyone lies ahead of Saudi Arabia, which is only this week. It's only next Saturday um, at, I think, a worse time. I don't know if there was a worse time than 2 o'clock in the morning, but wherever it is, Jeddah will find it for the east coast of Australia. Um, But interesting. I think, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously the McLaren pace wasn't there. Um, Campy's... For podiums were ridiculous, or maybe for Piastri, but uh, I mean, Leclerc and fourth. So I wasn't uh, too far away, I guess. Um, and K Mag at Haas, we'll talk about them too, but that was, that was incredibly impressive. Campy Bot here. Sorry to interrupt, but it's time for an ad break. I need to save up for some more digital beanies. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a 
happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Of all people, again, uh, what a surprise. It is great to have NordVPN back sponsoring the podcast for another year. Uh, and they have a brand new offer for you as well. Uh, so you can get two years of top tier security, uh, secure internet access, I should say, and all of the good things that NordVPN normally does. If you if you're only brand new to this podcast, I'm pretty sure most of the reason NordVPN come back to <laughs> want to sponsor us is because most people listen, use the link, and they're like, "Wow, all these people are <laughs> using the link." The reason because we all use it ourselves. Genuinely, I'm on it right now while I record this, which is probably why Campy is about five thousand seconds behind. Uh, but there is a good deal uh, for listeners in the US, UK, Australia and Canada. Uh, with every purchase of a two-year plan, uh, you're in for a treat. There's some Uber Eats vouchers on offer. So uh, we all know how expensive Uber Eats is at the best of times. So you might as well secure yourself and get something delicious uh, for home as well or for the office, wherever you get your Uber Eats delivered uh, like Campy to his olive green beanie factory. Um, and don't forget, you can use NordVPN to stream all kinds of content and shows and sports and KO if you want to spend $35 a month uh, unless you want to go to an AFL team apparently and that membership is cheaper for the year and then you get KO for free, which I've just learned and now you have to, so pick an AFL team and sponsor them. And if you want to watch AFL, wherever you are around the world, including if uh, you want to go for Melbourne and you live in the Cayman Islands, you can watch everything on KO via using NordVPN. Just go to nordvpn.com forward slash lakeside drive. You can see all of the offer details there. You won't regret it, we promise you. And of course, 30-day money-back guarantee if you're not happy with it at all. Okay, are you ready for the patent-pending team-by-team analysis? Because here it comes. Let's start at the very back of the pack. We already mentioned them. Alpine, Campy, let's start with you. An absolute disaster for them. As I mentioned earlier, and I only just found this out just before recording the, the F1 briefing, um, two people, two significant people in Alpine have quit. Aero Design, head of those two departments, is gone. Um, so this whole new concept of car, if you're listening, Campy is just now giggling away. <laughs> oh. um, yeah, go on. Look, launch. I don't mind Ryan Reynolds, but... What's your investment doing now, mate? You jumped on the wrong team and I could have told you that. Anyway, uh, yeah, look, I touched on it before. What could possibly go wrong? French team, two French drivers, <laughs> staff that are disgruntled, not happy, all jump off the ship, quit way too early. We've heard this story before. Uh, shame for them. Can't change the engine. The engine's clearly not the greatest, probably the yeah. worst engine on the grid. So the yeah. only way that they can find upgrades and uh, speed on track is through the chassis and the designs and clearly have not hit the marks over the last couple of years at all. Uh, shame for that organisation. You think back to Renault, 05, 06, won some world championships. Their partnership with Red Bull uh, sustained a lot of success uh, back in that era and for them to drop away in the last seven, eight years like they have, Regardless, um, without the, not taking into consideration Danny Rick's couple of years there, which were good, Jacques Villeneuve, if you dip shit. Yeah, um, shut up, Jacques. I'll get there soon. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, shame for that organisation. Shame for the two drivers. What what more do you want me to say? I said last week they will fall down the field. Next year we've got the same engines and yep. the only changes they can make it to the chassis, not going not gonna to improve. And uh, they'll be looking 2027 with some new regs. Very hopefully, but I'm not sure that they'll have any on-track data to suggest that they can jump up the pack where they really want or need to be 
in the future. So bottom dwellers. Well, the good, <laughs> those old flatheads. Uh, the good news is it's 2026, not seven, so they don't have to wait an extra year. <laughs> don't yeah. don't curse them for that because they'll, they'll be, be like, anyway. oh, that's no point. There's no point taking that up. Um, Freya, Gasly qualified in 20th, finished in 18th. Ocon qualified 19th, finished in 17th. As I said at the top, the reason why they weren't dead last is because Sargent had issues and Bottas had his lengthy pit stop. So realistically, this is this has already become the hearse of this year for this podcast because we come to them at the very start of the 10 by 10 analysis and then say, I don't know what else to say about them. Well, it's also quite hard to report on what they are saying about them because I couldn't find a single post-race interview anywhere. They are acting like this race did not exist <laughs> and you can't really blame them for that. Um, look, I think the the best thing that we can say about this team is, thank goodness, Piastri is not there anymore, neither is Daniel Ricciardo. So as much as sometimes mm. we kind of look back and curse some decisions about when people leave certain teams or join others, you know, we certainly were very anxious for Piastri this time last year because let's not forget that in Bahrain and Saudi, you know, that was looking like a dire move. Well, this is looking even more dire if he mm. was he was still um, racing <laughs> for them. So that's the only good thing we can really say about this team right now. Let's move on to Sauber. Uh, I don't know if they're stake or if they're kick or if they're F1. They're just Sauber. There's still the Sauber logo on the car, so that's what I'm going to call them for this year, just like Minardi. Uh, Bottas had one of the best starts I've ever seen in Formula 1. I'm not sure if you saw his onboard, but he rocketed. He qualified in 16th, and he was on the inside line coming into the first turn and then unfortunately was part of the Stroll, um, Nico Hülkenberg debacle right in the first corner. But he had some confidence in that starting procedure, which was really, really good. Um, as Freya, you've written here, had a nice test drive as a result. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, bank 57 more laps, race pace distance um, to see what they can do with the car because conversely on Joe's side of the garage, Freya, he actually had a pretty decent showing. He was outside of the points finishing in 11th, qualified in 17th. So that's a really good sort of progression up the grid. Clearly the setup for one lap pace is not there, but maybe race pace looking a little bit better. Um, he, there was some distance though to 10th, but you know, Sauber, whatever they're called, can make it sort of work, I suppose, for next weekend. Yeah, look, I think with Valtteri, um, look, in the situation that he was in, he did his best to avoid everything. You can also see that with his onboard of his, you know, desperate effort to try and avoid everybody who was kind of colliding in, in front of him and trying to stay out of that mix but wasn't to be. But it just shows how important it is to try and get that qualifying right and work on that that one lap pace so that they're not in that, that position of having to avoid chaos um, and instead being in more of a controlling position further up the grid. Um, it just shows the importance of your qualifying position um, and your better chance of having a clean race there on in. Um, for Joe, I think it was a very impressive um, recovery drive and he seems to be very happy with his position. Like you said, it was a pretty big jump up to, um, to points. But he said he didn't think he would be that high up and seems to be pretty stoked about his performance. Um, obviously, they didn't have much pace towards the end of that race, but they'd done pretty well um, right up until that point. And he said that they knew it was going to be a really close midfield battle and they came out of that battle you know, perhaps better than they, they thought. But like I said, they just need to work on that one lap pace so that they don't end up in that position of having to fight as hard um, or potentially get caught up in in like one incidents again. Yeah, Campy, it is very, very close in this midfield pack. That is the one thing that is super clear from qualifying yesterday and also the race today 
it, it is probably not where they want to be or certainly not where Audi will want them to be. They'll want them to be sort of fighting well and truly in the points, not sort of 10, 12 seconds behind the points in 11th. But for an opening round, not the worst scenario for Sauber considering how bad they were at the end of last year. Yeah, look, I think I think on certain tracks their qualifying pace or their one-lap pace isn't going to help them out over the race distance. You just see the gaps and the, the natural uh, – the natural time that you lose on those first two or three laps won't help them out in that midfield battle. Last night we saw an undercut that was really, really powerful, and uh, mm. and they got that right. Hence why they were running out of you know tyres towards the end of the Grand Prix, and it helped show that you know they pitted five or six laps early and uh, got ahead of everyone. You look at Ocon and he, what he did too, pitting early. He jumped in front of Danny Rick, who on track was at the time when he pitted was, you know, seven or eight seconds in front of him. So if you get time to warm up those hard tyres, you know, five or six laps for everybody else, it is a hell of a lot more beneficial. So they got that right. Uh, as for Bottas, geez, it's frustrating. I could see what he was trying to do. Unfortunately mm-hmm. for him, I just I think he got the speeds right, and he could have carried that corner speed in his breaking distance into the corner if no one was in front of him. But it's off a start, so not much you can do about that. Uh, unfortunate. I, yeah, he did hit Hulk twice. It looked like so, but he had to pit early too. And and if it wasn't for that debacle of a water fifty nine second pit stop at the end of the race, then maybe he. Could have shown a bit more potential, but his race was sort of over after turn one, really. One of the things also I've noted about this team is that the green is very specifically, it's chroma green, the like the green screen green. So there are already people on TikTok <laughs> and Instagram rickrolling people of that video clip over the top of the Sauber. Very good. Um, and also very good social media posts by the Sauber guys too. Um, Harry Potter reference already. Well, going first, going to Guan Yuzhou and the Sauber team. Very good from them. Williams, um, brand new steering wheel, screen no longer fixed to the car. Uh, doesn't work, Freya. Oh dear. Sorry. It just makes me laugh like in a, in a really unfortunate way, but it is one of the most basic things that that driver is going to need, which is a steering wheel that works. And when you looked at that onboard footage and it was just flashing up in front of him and he couldn't see what was happening and the changes that they were making, that's just a disaster. It means he's got no information um, and basically that kind of reflected the rest of the car as well though which also didn't really seem to be working um I think he was quite lucky to qualify where he did when it comes to Albon and he certainly said that there were a few spots higher than they thought they were going to be um but they just did not have the pace to to hold on to to those positions not even close I think they've got quite a bit of work ahead of them to even think about being part of the mid-back, to be entirely honest. We've come into this season with a lot of hope for Williams, um, but it wasn't reinforced for me watching this this weekend. Yeah, the the steering wheel was the issue that caused Sargent to have to go off on track and he needed a new steering wheel. And, you know, I had yeah. flashbacks to Oscar Piastri this time last year, Bahrain, new steering wheel, 
And then I thought about how long the McLaren logo loading screen took. It's like, how do I cancel this? Depress <laughs> yeah. X to continue. I'm trying. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying. It still won't go. Anyway, they had to park the car up. But uh, interesting that, that that's an issue. I mean, obviously the first time that they're doing this under anger, um, a lot of the Mercedes power unit teams are really struggling with um, cooling the cars down, which I thought was really interesting. Um, Albon not being able to change any settings on his steering wheel, Sergeant having to replace his steering wheel. Basically, all round, no good, but certainly not the worst. Uh, Sergeant with, was an issue, but Albon in 15th, probably not you know as bad as they could have expected. Let's just move quickly on, though, because there's a lot to talk about with RB and uh, Minardi, sorry. Campy, um, you are the owner of a Minardi trench coat, of course, uh, one of the mm-hmm. few in the country. Looking forward to you wearing that around the Australian Grand Prix mm-hmm. in the 37-degree day <laughs> with your beanie. <laughs> um, Danny Rick. He qualified 14th, finished in 13th. Yuki Tsunoda qualified in 11th, finishing in 14th. But that 13th, 14th place, just reading that on the timesheet doesn't say the full story, does it? No, he had a few issues. He had a few issues on that on that Q3 lap that he did. Uh, he generally had the pace over Yuki all all, all weekend up until qualifying. Really, that's uh, not to say that Yuki didn't perform really well. He did. Jeez, it's. Uh, it was a frustrating race with Danny Rick. He got caught up in that in that stroll, Hulkenberg, Bottas train, and had to take some uh, on lap one. He had to take some 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 actions to to not crash into anyone, and he lost a couple. Of, he lost a spot. I think he lost two spots off the start, and then um, and then he gained one back because because uh, oh, someone went off. I can't remember who at the start. So he, he sat in that fifteenth and sixteenth, and his race. Just developed. He was sort of in no man's land. They pitted him late. He lost seven or eight seconds to Ocon. Ocon got in front of him. What I was really impressed with with Danny Rick was his uh, the back end of that race. Once he settled down into a race pace, clearly faster than his teammate. Hence, why the argument about letting him move past him later on in the swapping positions later on the Grand Prix. I kind of I get it why Sonoda was so frustrated by it. He said he didn't like it, but the reality is was. Danny Rickwood, they were on different tyre compounds and uh, there was a chance to try and jump up and get Magnussen. You know, it didn't eventuate in the end, but uh, there's a genuine chance of it. So a good decision by the team. Points were never really on offer, but just goes to show how tight qualifying is this year. You have to get qualifying right because if you don't, even if you're two or three positions behind your teammate or you're not in that 11th, 12th place, then your race will suffer the consequences of that, and we saw that play out for Danny Rick last night. Had he been up with Yuki Tsunoda in that, you know, eight or nine seconds up the road, very might have been a very different story for him. Probably still not in the points, but just as the race progressed. And uh, he needs to get that right. He's a professional and he'll do it. Yeah, I thought Yuki drove pretty well considering all weekend too. So Yeah, the team, the team left it too late. To, to swap drivers a lap too late. Danny Rick said press conference afterwards or in the media pen that, um, you know, he was aware of Sonoda's, Sonoda being Sonoda. Um, in fact, my favourite quote from Danny Rick, Danny Rick this weekend on the radio was, what a fucking helmet um, in reference to uh, Sonoda. <laughs> uh, so you don't yeah. often hear DR swear on the radio, so you no. can tell that he was probably like, wow, okay. Uh, and Freya, it's not the best start for Laurent Mecki. He's a brand new team principal coming from Ferrari to, uh, I was going to say Alfatari to Minardi um, for this year, already having an issue that he's going to have to sort out with both of his drivers. Well, 
the bit which kind of made me probably change my opinion on what went on here a little bit, it was in the post-race interview where Daniel said uh, he was obviously frustrated with the team orders call and I understand that, but we discussed this possibility before the race. He knew that I was going to be on fresh softs at the end of the race. He knew I was there. He knew he wasn't handing me points because neither of us were likely to finish in the points. And if we'd gone earlier, we would have had a much better chance. The softs in particular, as you said, Campy, every minute counts. They just can, they can fall away so quickly. So if they made that, or that team order and then Yuki, Yuki took three laps to put it into place and then they actually said, no, no, move over. By that time he's got Max breathing down his neck so he had to move over him. That disrupts your flow of the race and his tyres have completely fallen away. So I completely understand why Yuki felt the way he did. On the surface of it, super frustrating. And we've let's remember, we've also watched Daniel do, ha, let go for other people as well when they are in with a better chance a million times over. And he goes and they say, let Lando through, and you say copy. And then they talk about it afterwards. You don't lunge down um after the race, after the flag is gone at, at your teammate. So I think knowing that they had like listed this as a possibility, given the different strategies that they were on, that's something that makes me say, oh, you know, not only did you, yeah, behave quite immaturely and dangerously in this situation, you actually knew this was coming and had time to talk about it with the team both before and, and afterwards. Um, like you said, James, uh, Mehi is going to have to deal with this really head on because, you know, this is the first race of the season. You can't let this kind of fester, um, and let it lead to further on track and off track animosity because whilst this is not Daniel's problem to solve, when you have a temperament like Yuki's, as someone who is a team in a team that you are leading, it is your responsibility to help him to manage that and, and act accordingly. Um, and there's got to be consequences as well, quite frankly. Like I know I, I don't want to sound, you know, you're all high and mighty in terms of how we should all be, be behaving or, you know, like I get it. Emotions run so high in these situations but it's the same for everybody. Every single person who's competing is in the same high adrenaline, high emotion, competitive environment. And it is up to you what type of athlete you want to be. And I'm not sure that the way he behaved today is the best version of Yuki that Yuki can can be. Um, and I think it's a shame as well, right? Because we both looked at these drivers and go, wow, Yuki's been great in terms of thinking about how much you could learn from um, from Ricardo, they seem to have a great dynamic and this is kind of the type of thing that can really fracture that type of um, team dynamic. So they're going to have to really nip it in the bud. Oh, that was some juicy insight. You know Freya normally charges for this, right? Maybe I'll charge Ross in our Discord server to cover those costs. Yeah, listener, if you didn't watch, this was off the broadcast. So flag is gone. It's a cool down lap. It's turn eight, the hairpin. Um, Yuki lets DR pass because Yuki got ahead of him after the checkered flag. DR goes through and then Yuki comes roaring up the inside unnecessarily almost colliding with him and the checkered flag's already gone. So it's a cool down lap, guys. Relax. It, it was just totally unnecessary behaviour. Um, and, of course, okay, after the broadcast, but then everyone starts sharing 
that video all over the place. Anyway, it's uh, they'll be hoping to sort that shit out basically because they need to see how this car performs come this race weekend in Jeddah, and it's very clearly not a copy of the RB19. Everyone, if everyone was thinking that, including us to a point, especially Campy with his predictions, um, it's a shame because <laughs> it's not. Uh, still Haas, thinking, Jim. Haas, though, a completely different set of circumstances this year. And it's Gunther is still to thank for this because um, Ayo Komatsu yep. has not been in the team long enough to have sorted these issues out. But the massive issue that they had in 2023 was that they kept eating their rear tires. And as soon as they hit the cliff, they fell off massively. They would lose positions very, very quickly um, and genuinely in a place where they couldn't really pit to make any sort of difference. That campy seems to have sorted itself out because KMAG um, didn't have as good a qualifying as Hockenberg. Hockenberg got all the way to Q3, which was stunning, saved himself a, a set of softs to use those in the race before, of course, the contact with Stroll, which really buggered it for him. But there's big brain thinking there. As Ted Kravitz said, is MVP from qualifying. Uh, and the way that the car was able to hold position and, and attack and defend was incredibly significantly different from last year. Yeah, I think we've seen the gains on the Ferrari and when it comes to rear suspension and and the tyre degradation on, on those cars. You know, you look at them and Ferrari's a different team this year when it comes to tyre degradation. Uh, Haas is exactly the same. And, geez, mate, Hulk can pull a lap out of his backside when he needs to consistently. I think it was four or five times he made Q1 last year and first race this year to do that. Excellent. Unfortunately, his race was probably ruined first lap, but uh, you know we made we saw KMAG make some jumps up the grid too. So a bit of that strategy pitting, you know, two or three laps before everybody else getting undercuts. But he put himself in the right right position, and it's uh, what we want to see from his team. You know, if Holt can convert one of those starts to you know picking up to those two or three positions that he's traditionally lost when he's had those good starts fighting for seven or eight laps with the front lovers and then they'll naturally drive up the road and he'll fall back. That'll hold himself in really good good stead to get some points. And uh, I think they'll probably get – they'll probably do four or five races this year where they'll, you know, get some consistent, you know, eighth, ninth, tenth points just, just depending on the circumstances on the track. That's what they're relying on. They're not in the points fight every weekend, but they're really relying on – uh, the 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 chaos that which can happen in Formula One, which you know jumbles up the grid orders, etc. So yeah, it's exciting for them. It's good. I think uh, I think we need to fully congratulate Steiner on what he did before he was sacked from the team, and hopefully Gene Haas recognizes that and says good. It was good to see him on the grid too. Yeah, I don't think Gene will recognise it. He didn't even see Gunther or anything, but Gunther didn't even realise he was supposed to be there. Freya, he was there though. Um, all my he's like, well, I wasn't supposed to be here, but now I'm here. And they're like, you know, Sky finally like, you're going, oh, what's your pick for the weekend? Max, it's like he hasn't changed at all. He's just very much to the fact. Here's a fact. There's no embellishment. We're not talking forever like the three of us do about a point. Here's the point because I've got other shit to do. Yeah. Uh, high value, such quality, and it's <laughs> in such a short amount of time as well. Been there for three and a half seconds, and he's told us everything we need to know. <laughs> Look, there was two things. Um, two things that I took from their conversation with um with Steiner. The first, sorry, three things. First was that um 
he did seem like he had a big grin on his face. He said, I just came into this weekend feeling so light. You know, there's none of this, like I've got a thousand things to do before eight o'clock in the morning. Got to go see the FAA about this and go see that team about that and check in with this guy. He's like, I just came in and I'll see what the weekend throws at me. I was like, Sometimes it felt like that's what you were doing when you were team principal. So um, good to see <laughs> oh, that. Uh, the disrespect. Good to Savage. S- good to see that he is feeling uh, lighter in the shoulders, which is nice. Um, but the other thing I was going to say was uh, his perspective on Toto and the Mercedes seat. Mm. Um, so mm. he basically made the points around what he would be looking for. He said, look, if that's me, you're wanting someone who is really consistent and has already shown you really solid pace. Um, And I know that sounds really obvious, but I think when you're up fighting for those podium positions as Mercedes want to be, probably much like how he felt, they're they're perhaps not ready to bring in some an unknown quantity um, in terms of potentially jeopardising the potential that they might have up up the front and, and battling for podiums. So I would say that they're potentially not ready to bring in um, somebody who's who's new and unfamiliar when they're still figuring out what's going on with their design. They'll be transitioning George to being in more of a leadership role within the team, that type of thing. The other thing was that he was saying was making the point that no one will move until they move, which I thought was interesting. He said, you know, Toto is actually in a really great position here. He has the control over the um, kind of uh, driver market, basically. No one's going to move until he does. So he will have the the pick of the lot, so to speak. Um, And to your point about um, Nico Campy just kind of saying like, you know, he can just pull a lap out. Um, he, he was really reinforcing that message. He's like, look, Nico's career, he's just been in the wrong place at the wrong time. Um, and that's not necessarily his fault. Sometimes you make decisions and things don't play out the way you think they're going to. Um, and he just, it really was evident how much this is kind of the third thing. It was really evident how much he valued his experience and what he brought to the team and basically said like his contribution to us is invaluable, um, which I thought was, um, yeah, pretty insightful, you know. Um, so keep giving us absolute gold like that, Steiner. We love seeing you around. All right. Something a little bit different for the podcast. If you're interested in books and you're interested in Oscar Piastri, you will want to listen to this. Hey, Lakeside Drive. It's Andrew Van Leeuwen here and my new book, Oscar Piastri, The Rookie, is hitting the shelves tomorrow. That is the 5th of March. James Campy, Freya and I are giving away 10 copies of the book, which takes you inside Oscar Piastri's rise to F1 stardom. Enter the giveaway via the link in the episode description for your chance to win. Campy Bot here again. We're going to another break, but we'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
Okay, let's continue. Green Machine time. Thomas J. Camp, uh, Aston Martin arrived here last year with two drivers uh, or one driver and one driver with broken wrists. Um, and Alonso, of course, got onto the podium. It was a massive shock. Everyone was surprised that Aston Martin made massive gains. He did say out of testing that the car felt like it had more performance, just clearly everyone else has found some more performance too compared to this time last year. So for Alonso, qualified in sixth, finished in ninth in the points, uh, didn't really have a great showing, uh, was very much under pressure by the McLarens multiple times depending on pit stop strategies and Stroll qualified in 12th but finished in 10th. So not a great day for Aston Martin, but it's is it a bad day when both cars finish in the points? Uh, not a bad day, but it's not the day that they wanted or hoped for. Uh, I think this team, look, if you can draw anything from this race, Aston Martin is in no man's land comparative to the rest of the grid. You've got the four teams that are clearly quicker than them on track. We saw that over a race distance, how Alonso just didn't have the pace to keep up with the likes of the McLarens, the Mercedes, the Ferraris and the Red Bulls. But they were clearly better than everybody else on the grid. And, uh, you know, if you start up front like Fernando Alonso, he's going to drop backwards. But if you start behind in that, you know, 12th to 16th type thing, they've got the pace to pass cars and be in that 9th, 10th. Unfortunately for them, I think that's where we see them you know, before that they bring upgrades to the to the car and, you know, get some get some on track improvement. That's where we're gonna see them ninth and tenth, they're the fifth best grid on the car at the moment. And uh <laughs> I'm not sure they jump up. I think that gap to the teams in front of them is too big. But we did see what McLaren did last year and uh be interesting to see how it goes. In Fernando, he's weighing up whether he drives on again. You know, like he said we talked about new regs in 2026 and whether he's got an appetite for it. But it's the first time we've heard Fernando Alonso talk about his future in, in a really open and transparent way. You know, I, I think he was hoping that he would have a car, that he would be on the podium again, and he'll recess it in two or three races about uh, what his future looks like. I want him on the grid because I think it's easier to keep it Fernando Alonso on the grid than, than kick him off and I think he's better for the sport and we all want to see him do well. Unfortunately, it's just, you know, we got a flashes of it for seven or eight races last year when the car was really good, but I just don't think Aston as an organisation have made that jump like the other teams in front of them have, which is unfortunate. So I think that's where we'll see them for the rest of the year. Let's be very clear. Pedro De La Rosa is in Toto Wolf's favourites list or the other way around. Toto Wolf is in his favourites list because he'll be calling Toto trying to get Aston, uh, sorry, trying to get Mercedes to take Fernando Alonso as their driver for next year. And if Antonelli doesn't prove to be an F2 champion, and by the way, the F2 looking so far this year, the power unit's not looking so good What's and no one can really understand the cars yet. Yeah, anyway, disgusting. Um, <laughs> we'll talk about F2 at another time when there's not a lot else to talk about. Um, but if that's the thing, then Fernando Alonso is the obvious choice because he has real-world vision and experience of coming into a team where the car is looking pretty good and being able to extract the most out of it. Uh, Freya, much more to add to Aston Martin? No, except to say that um, the hero of the day really was Alonso's, uh, the mechanic who released uh, him after his pit stop and managed to avoid him driving straight into the side of the Williams that had come in directly in front of him. So kudos claps to uh, <laughs> kudos claps. the uh, mechanic who managed to, you know, avoid what was a – he just did his job exceptionally well. Um, and, yeah, 
very yes. happy to see that not transpire. <laughs> Let's talk about the papayas. Uh, Lennon Norris qualified seventh, finished in sixth, Piastri eighth and eighth. Um, Piastri looked good through practice. He then lamented his speed through qualifying, said he felt a bit messy. Uh, he didn't really feel that comfortable with the car as well with the race, reiterating the fact that Bahrain is a circuit that doesn't suit the McLaren, apparently. It's high degradation circuit too. The, the tarmac is incredibly rough here compared to elsewhere where we go on this calendar. Uh, Campy, both of these drivers, I mean, again, talking about sort of no man's land, there is a pretty significant gap, I feel, between sort of where Red Bull is to Ferrari really-ish Mercedes, then McLaren slash Aston Martin, and then everybody else, kind of Williams, RB, Haas, everyone else sort of fighting in that area. But you mentioned it just before. It's the only team to really have done a full turnaround in terms of upgrades and pace from the beginning of a year to sort of Austria or the British Grand Prix. Um, do you think that this is a team that's able to continue down that trajectory or do you think they've plateaued now to a point where everyone else is caught up in the same kind of way? Well, look, throughout testing and pre-season, McLaren have been really coy about their their on-track performance and, you know, they know the car was better than it was this time last year. And, you know, Zach Brown's saying the same thing he did last year. Look, we got some upgrades in the second half of the season and that's where we need to be to win some races and be really competitive. Now, last year when he was saying that, I thought that is the biggest load of bullshit I've ever heard. I've ne- we have never seen <laughs> – we have never seen the gains that McLaren made on track from the start of the season to the, the end of the season last year. So I, moving forward, I hope they get those performance and the upgrades right so that they can compete up the front. Whether they beat a Red Bull, I'm not too sure, but uh, it's only good for for, uh, for uh, Lando and Oscar to have a faster track, a faster car on track. So, look, I think they're pretty comparable with the Mercedes. You're just looking at qualifying times, really. I thought Oscar was unlucky to lose that position to Hamilton. That was – look, that's a strategy call from McLaren. They probably pitted him one lap too late. I mean, he made that move after his second pit stop up the up the inside at turn one and then Hamilton got past him and he really couldn't do it. What I liked from Oscar was that he didn't lose – he only lost, what, six seconds over race distance to his teammate, you know, and four of those – four seconds of that happened in pit stops. So I was impressed with his race pace. Uh, he just needs to get better on that one lap um, pace and he'll be fine. Interestingly, there's a comment made last night about uh, – I think Karun made it in practice about – if you take from Spa onwards last year, you know, the 15 qualifyings, including the sprint races, it was actually 8-7 Oscars way that back end. So we know he's lightning quick around uh, around in qualifying over one lap. So I would hope to see that he just performs a bit better. But it, they're allowed to have an off weekend on a on the first weekend of the year. But come race five or six, I'd want to be seeing Oscar just dominating Lando, which I think he eventually will. Freya, he said uh, to Sky F1 that, you know, he specifically mentioned Australia, Suzuka, those faster style tracks where the car will likely suit those sort of medium to, to faster corners, um, that he feels like there's probably more confidence there. But still got Jeddah to go in between, which is, as Max Verstappen said, kind of like Montreal, almost a street circuit, quote, unquote, uh, which is interesting. But really, the I mean, the Papaya team is in a much better position than when they were last year. There's, it is night and day in terms of difference. Yeah, and you kind of think about them in comparison to Aston Martin and they had a bit of an inverse mm. um, 
I suppose, progression last year and now we're kind of seeing maybe even the opposite um, this year. So uh, it will be interesting to to see if they can continue to step up. Um, and, look, I think this weekend they they did the best with what they had, to be entirely honest. Um, both of the drivers say they didn't feel very comfortable in the car. <laughs> the, the funniest thing was actually both of them talking about that last um that last corner and uh, Nora said, you know, how'd that last corner feel for you, uh, Oscar? And he was like, yeah, I wish it didn't exist. <laughs> um, and, and you know, you won't hear it too often, but in uh, a positive uh, note for Lando Norris was actually quite defensive of Oscar's driving and that he said, look, Oscar was not on a good strategy today and he had to drive defensively. Um, he was trying to protect himself from the undercut and that's just not a position you ever really want to be in as a driver or as a team um, and he navigated that pretty well. And, and you know, like you said, Campy, Oscar was great in terms of not backing off from a fight. He said, look, the, the likelihood was, was low of me coming out on top of Lewis, but you've got to be in the fight um, in order to, to see what you can do with it. So I think they did the best with what they had. I think it's just the start for them and hopefully we see that they are just on a much higher platform in comparison to where they were at the start of last year um, and they don't have the, uh, I suppose, progressive direction that, um, that Aston Martin took and it does in fact just keep getting better for them. Let's look at Mercedes. Russell qualified third, finished in fifth. Hamilton qualified in ninth and finished in seventh. Uh, this car was not working in a, in a number of different ways. The hard compound tyre was unable to sort of activate properly for them. They lost a lot of performance. Um, overheating issues going on. Lewis reported that his seat was broken or it felt like his seat was broken. Um, Toto not st- totally stoked with how everything sort of flashed out, uh, flashed out, fleshed out, add it to the list, Discord. Um, I've been up, I've been okay, up, like, I've been up, oh my God, I've been up a very long time. Um, but, and and Toto said this, they're losing four to six tenths because of those cooling issues per lap. So I think from from their point of view, they, they sort of said after the race that they're pretty sure they can fix those cooling issues ahead of next weekend. So that's good news for them. Um, but Hamilton just seems, Freya, I don't know if, if, you sort of picking up on this, but he just seems to just be disengaging ever so slightly. He was just taking one step back. He's 24 steps to take back until he's in red. He's taken the first one back. Uh, do you th- do you think at some point in the year, though, he'll regret that decision change when Mercedes inevitably jump Ferrari because Ferrari have poor strategy? I don't know. I don't think he'll regret it. I think what was interesting this weekend was that he kind of talked about himself more than he did the team, which is pretty unusual um, for him. You know, when they said, like, how are you feeling? He was like, personally, I feel great. My training is obviously working because I feel fantastic. I was like, I'm not sure what that's what she meant, actually, Mm. Um, in terms of how you're feeling. I think she might have been talking about uh, your, your race and how the car felt. No, look. Hamilton's a professional. I think he will give it everything he's got this year. He might not necessarily have the kind of emotional connection to the results in the way that he has in previous years or feel the same level of frustration because he knows that he's out. So you kind of get that almost, you know, commitment to the drive but a bit of a carefree attitude in that he's not going to, I would say, ruminate on whether or not they make the same level of progress this year in comparison to to last year or have they solved all of their problems. Um, I don't think he's going to get stuck on those questions in the same way that he would in previous years. But I wouldn't question what he's going to take to the team. Like he's he's a professional and this is his life. Um, it's it's all consuming for him, and I don't think that that would be good for his reputation either. So, and as much as his seat is basically confirmed now at Ferrari for as let's say you know, for as long as he he wants to keep driving in Formula One, um, 
you know, he has still a professional reputation to go with all of his stuff. And so I think he'll care less, but still give it everything he has and maybe just spend some more time on things that are important to him outside of the team, which he might not have done in previous years. It seems like this design redirection, which is very Red Bull-esque, campy, is the direction that is right for Mercedes. They couldn't make their design philosophy work. Only Adrian Newey apparently can do that. Uh, so potentially they're able to get up there into the mix. I mean, Russell did have a good qualifying session after all. He did. I th- when Lewis put it on the front row in Q2, I thought, uh, in practice two, I thought, geez, maybe this Mercedes has a bit more to it than what we first thought. And it just never really – just. From my perspective, it was the weekend that sort of failed to launch for them. They they promised a lot. They didn't deliver uh, and they were probably a bit frustrated with it. They probably thought they had more than they did when they showed up. Um, anyway, look, they made, they, they made some good passes. They dropped back too, Russell. Yeah, look, it's frustrating for them. They want to be competing with with Max Verstappen and Red Bull up the front and the reality is – on last night's result, it doesn't look like it's going to happen. They'll have some races mm. where they're, you know, the second best car, um, but that'll be track specific for them this year. And um, as for Hamilton, I, I'm not sure he's checked out yet, but I think after seven or eight races in the same position they were in last night, if that continues, he'll check out pretty quickly and uh, you'll get the Lewis Hamilton blase attitude that we've seen at times throughout his career and it's uh, a bit destructive and just because of who he is and and the results and his standing in this sport the media will hype up these little things and words will be taken out of context and will create bigger stories so well let's talk let's talk about ferrari uh, ferrari charles leclerc and carlos Sainz is carlos Sainz because at this point carlos is no longer in the team he's merely driving the ferrari and he's team carlos and you know what good for you bud that is exactly what you should be doing we are all here for it um he uh was the fastest of the ferraris anyway through practice so it makes sense that we had one two red bull and then the third or the next best car being carlos Sainz's ferrari He's, he should be happy with that. Honestly, he didn't have as good a qualifying as Leclerc. Leclerc was on it and had a really shit strategy call with Ferrari. For some reason, pulled him in for a fresh set of softs in Q1 because they didn't think he was going to make it into Q2. He would have done. Um, and then had to start Q3 on an old set of scrubbed softs before then setting time. Anyway, it's a classic Ferrari already. We haven't even got out of bloody the, where we've been testing the, the thing. Um, Campy, there is, there is hope though that we could probably see maybe in qualifying, maybe in Saturday, if Charles or if Carlos can put it together, that they can genuinely rival Max, at least early on until they Red Bull inevitably walk off again. Um, it was sort of discussed that they lost some one-lap pace for race pace, but it also didn't sort of flesh out that way either. Not that we could really see with Charles whether or not that was a thing. Well, they beat a Red Bull and then lost out to one Red Bull in qualifying, so... That was pretty consistent with what happened last year. So I still think they've got that one lap pace. They've just sorted out the tide deck. As for Carlos, geez, he drove exceptionally against his teammate last year, last night. I don't think he. I don't think Carlos would have made those moves and been as aggressive with Charles this time last year, or in the previous couple of years he's driven for them. So mm. um, I was really impressed with Carlos's drive last night, uh, albeit. Not the car he wanted, but he got that third spot. So that's excellent for him. 
But, geez, Charles just struggled on those tyres from lap two. He was locking up consistently. The car was oversteer. You could see the back end stepping out. Whereas Carlos's car was planted through those corners and it looked really, you know, the stability through the corner uh, looked good. And you, even the steering inputs that we saw glimpses of just looked like the car was handling better. Now, I don't know whether that's a setup issue and whether – whether the you know Charles Leclerc the way he set up the car enabled him to you know get that one lap pace and beat his teammate by a couple of tenths in qualifying, but then when you come to a race, it made him struggle. I don't know what the car setups like and where they differed, but uh, I would suggest that's probably where it was. So um, Carlos may be playing the you know the the long game and the racing game, but he clearly had some pace. And uh, I look, I think I think Perez is beatable in that in that Red Bull. So they can you know get on that second step of the podium and something will inevitably happen to max this year on track so therefore there's a win up for grabs and if they're you know right time right place they could get a win again but yeah i was stoked with carlos's drive last night i thought it was a bit of a statement drive and be uh if he continues to do that all year i think it'll be uh yeah it might Ferrari may look like a bit of egg on their face by the end of the year because of the way you know they chose to handle the drivers for next season. And no different to every other season where they continue yeah, to well, stuff up strategy. Right. I mean, come on, uh, Leclerc had issues. He had at one point one. I think the left brake was a hundred degrees hotter than his right front brake, so you can't drive a car like that. As he said, he kept locking up because of breaking over heating issues. It was dangerous, Freya. Um, you felt for him because Bahrain is traditionally the circuit that he has some kind of technical issue and within maybe view of the podium in one, either first or second, something happens and he ends up bloody fourth or out altogether. Yeah, like you've got to feel for him. I think coming out of last season, which just seemed to have, you know, bad luck after bad luck after bad luck. I'm like, where are you getting this juju from, Leclerc? It's just Bottas. destroying his is destroying his luck along with Bottas. But um, like you said, like race one of the season, that is just not what he wants to see. In comparison to for like the Mercedes, for example, where they they both were experiencing such similar issues when it t- comes to the tire cooling um and you know various other issues that they were very similar on both cars. These looked like two different cars in the way that they were handling um, and the issues that they were seeing. But I think what's important when it comes to Carlos Sainz, like we saw last year, is that when those opportunities are there, he is there. And that's going to be the most important thing for him as he did um, with his with his win last year. When something goes wrong with the car in front, you've got to be right there behind him. Um, when I say him, Obviously, I mean Max, and on occasion Checo, because I agree, Campy. I think Checo is beatable in in the Red Bull. Um, if if Ferrari managed to get their their strategy right, and if the car is is reliable, you know. So I think it's pretty hard to judge Eclair on on this weekend. Um, and I think he will just be getting very worried for the season ahead and all the various other issues that he might be concerned about occurring. Yeah, like being the second driver when Hamilton comes in. Let's wrap this team-by-team analysis up with Red Bull. Uh, Verstappen, clean sweep. Congratulations on the championship, Max. You've uh, had a great year already. Um, (laughs) Perez, 22-odd seconds behind after racing distance. Just the the gap is way too big already. Um, I mean, Helmut Marko now has his hands full with, yeah, okay, you managed to do a one-two, but you're significantly far behind. And Yuki Sonoda acting the way that he did. Uh, we know what Rebels like, and they don't 
stuff around with decisions like this. Uh, and I'm not necessarily saying that Danny Rick ends up going to that seat. I just mean I think if that's the performance, even with one and twos, the pressure will start mounting on Perez to be closer, both in qualifying because he, he qualified fifth and finished in second um, and Verstappen first and first, like, hello. Um, but, of course, the big thing is this cloud hanging over Red Bull with Horner and uh, the allegations that were dismissed by Red Bull GmbH, which was the um, the parent company of Red Bull Racing, and uh, Zach Brown and Toto Wolf cannot bloody help themselves uh, in the team principal press conference going, oh, we need greater visibility and what's going on? It's like uh, you could have picked who would have chased them in the same way that Horner would have chased either one of them if it was in the same way around. These three just bloody can't help themselves. But it is a dark cloud. Um, interestingly, a lot of uh, the shareholders were there for, from Red Bull to show support except for the Austrian-led contingent. So uh, anyway, interesting to see what comes of that. There's no point speculating here. There is a there's a Google Drive file floating around. Um, it's in our Discord. Um, just it? caution with one of them. <laughs> just uh, I've sent it to you also in our group chat. Oh really? Um, to, to quote Rob James, to quote Rob James, do not scroll backwards um, from the last photo because be you'll get a whole thing. Um, anyway, is it real? Is it not? Well, 107, 117 journalists, F1 senior people were sent this Dropbox file, Google Drive file by someone. Um, anyway, it's it is it's just a very messy situation, which is a shame, Fry, because really everyone should be focusing on the design magnificence of this iteration of the RB20, or Red Bull, I should say, the RB20, you know, okay, the heart of the RB19, uh, but still absolutely just crushing it. The way Horner described this car and how the team works was basically saying it still has the kind of DNA remnants of the RB19, but our design team never settles. You know, we could have left that car where it was and look at a few different aero upgrades um, and probably still have been the most competitive car on the grid, but that's not how our team works. We're constantly looking for what we can do better and if that means completely revolutionising our design based on an idea that we have um, (laughs) from what we saw in the early Mercedes car, like there was something there, we just had to figure out how it worked, which we then did. And I think that's really interesting to see how their team is is functioning. Like you said, they had two choices at the start of this season just to make a variation on last year's with a few um, technical adjustments to see if they can extract any other, any further pace from the design that they already had, which they knew worked superbly, or to basically start again, um, you know, but still using some of their fundamentals from what was an exceptional uh, exceptional car. So that to me does say a lot about um, kind of the, the values, I suppose, of the, the design team at the very least, if not the broader organisation, but how that specific group of individuals work and perhaps it extends that beyond that, I don't know. Um, he also said he was talking about strategy and that type of thing. He was very surprised that nobody else um, with the exception of basically, well, not nobody else because Daniel Ricciardo did, but many didn't take an extra set of softs into the race. He was like, that just seemed when we knew what we'd seen so far um, and the difficulty of getting temperatures up and everything else didn't make sense not to have that up up your sleeve. So he was quite surprised that nobody else um, nobody else did that um, and basically said that if Checo keeps performing like he did today, that's he'll keep his seat. He's like, we keep get, getting one, two finishes. That's what he's got to do. Um, I think the gap question is an interesting one because, like you said, does it matter that he finishes 20 seconds behind his teammate if he's always behind his teammate? I think the qualifying performance is a bigger issue um, rather than kind of, you know, the 
the end of the race gap because as Toto Wolf said, Max is in a different galaxy to mm. every single yeah. other driver on the grid. So, you know, does that do they see that the same way and just go get your qualifying right, get your second position, we don't care what the gap is to Max, you know, potentially and be a team player when we need you to be. That's what he's got to do. So to keep his seat. I don't I don't see him keeping it for next year, but um it would be pretty hard for him if he doesn't, if he delivers the way he did this weekend. All right, let's finish with drivers of the day. Freya, who is your driver of the day? Carlos. Campy. Carlos. Yeah, okay, I agree. It's hard to hard to think of anyone else. Um, yeah, I think everyone did everyone did okay, but Carlos is just in an absolute league of his own. Well, Max as well, but we don't that doesn't count. You can't have him as driver of the day. What's wrong with you? Let's look at our fantasy team name competition. It is starting yet again for another year. You can join via our website. So I found some names. So did you, Freya. Um, I think the first five or six are yours. Would you like to read them out, the ones that you found? Uh, the first one, I just love it for its simplicity and uh, my complete and utter agreement with the statement, which is Danny Rick for life. Thank you, Becky. You're not wrong. Um, my heart will grow, John. Nikita, mm-hmm. excellent work. Uh, Daniel Vicardo, Sinead, excellent work. Amex, <laughs> Amex Venmo Minardi, <laughs> here for that, absolutely. Uh, and then, of course, uh, Toro Bosso RB Minardi. Again, we're all in on the Minardi here. Yes, good. And I think the last Welcome. one for me was uh, Team, sorry, Cash Only RB, <laughs> Ash. Robo, excellent no contribution. <laughs> Uh, i found what's the racing point john alpine tractors for snails uh alex ferrari and drain covers fight hillary um how'd you take your steak Haley. uh da vinci's mona visa cash app kieran uh sergeant (laughs) at harms uh michael that's very good Uh, avocado pastry tina toro bosso's only fangios uh the name for that is dash dash very good (laughs) um and don't forget the hyphen nicholas yes thank you very much um I ended up in 25th, Freya ended up in 36th, and I don't think Campy's even joined the league yet. Have you? Oh, I forgot all about it. Oh, unbelievable. It There's always week. one, Wouldn't be like one you. of either of you each year forgets <laughs> to do it. I look forward to you forgetting next year, Freya. Um, first, I though, James Sun. last year. I was like, oh, that's oh, good enough it. for me. I'm like Nico. You've got to be in it to, re- to maintain like Nico that, though, Rosberg. Campy. Win something we or go. do well, then retire <laughs> and start a shitty podcast and YouTube channel and uh, good to go. <laughs> and not wear any shoes. Have you also bought some sandals? Yeah. <laughs> Well, you should see the loafers I'm rocking at the moment. No. Oh, no, thank you. No, thank you. <laughs> uh, first was James Sun Cookie, Jamison C. Second, what's the racing point, John S. And third, how many blue cars, Mike H. Uh, there's still time. I mean, there's so many races this year, you could probably make a comeback from that. So, Campy, remind yourself to do that. Uh, up next is Saudi Arabia this coming week. Very, very exciting. Let's have some quick predictions before we go. Freya, who is your podium? My podium is Verstappen, Carlos, and then Perez. Okay. And 10th? In 10th, we've got Yuki Sonoda. Mm -hmm. Um, That's if he doesn't throw a tantrum and with the force of that tantrum propel himself (laughs) to the back of the grid. Um, Last, I'm going to go K-Mag. And then my bold prediction is that there is going to be at least three retirements because last year we had Stroll who retired Mm. and we got that restart. Albon's uh, 
brake failed and uh, so he retired as well. Oh. Um, so I think uh, there's going to be you're, at least three. You're wishing for red flags. that You are disrespecting no. <laughs> the east coast of Australia, delaying our watching. No, I'm saying it's going to be retirements. They do not always oh, equal red flags. They do like here. Like Albon retired. Well, Albon retired without a um, without a restart last year, I think. So, um, yep, that's that's my bold prediction. Only like, 17 are finishing, 16. Ridiculous. Four o'clock 17. in the morning. That's what time the race is on. Oh, um, Campy, Max, <laughs> here's your podium. Max, yep. Checo and yep. Carlos. Okay. Um, Tenth. Tenth will be also Checo because I want him to crash out. Well, that continuation <laughs> from ridiculous. last year. It doesn't work. Last, I he, don't is, think. <laughs> you're discrediting yourself without, like on purpose. Uh, last will be Albon. Okay. Uh, no, I'm going to go Gasly, actually. Gasly last Of course place. it is. If, why, if you're not yes. saying an Alpine for last, it's like you're not watching Formula One at the moment. Bold yep, prediction. Okay. Three red flags next weekend and some. Oh, big why? Crashes. Why are you doing this? There is What's literally nothing original you? about any of your predictions. Unbelievable. By the way, Campy, really? you've, <laughs> you've turned you've turned into Tommy T. Um, <laughs> my my podium, Max. It'll be Max. Mate, get it'll a be, fucking uh, haircut, Jim. Jeez. Max, I did. My thing. It'll be Max. Uh, it'll be Carlos, and then um, Hamilton because the Mercedes are actually quick around here. Last year they were fourth and fifth, so hopefully with a better sort of design package and cool, sorting cooling out, I think they'll be fast. Um, tenth will be, uh, I think, K Mag will be, end up in the points. Last will be Ocon. Bold prediction is that uh, we'll see um, only one of each of the manufacturers in the points. Ooh. I like it. So so that's bold. It's not going to happen because Checo will be in there somewhere. Uh, anyway, that's it for this episode of Lakeside Drive. Thank you so much for listening uh, and for being part of the show. A massive thank you if you started watching us on YouTube, if you've left a comment. Thank you for messaging the Instagram page. Thank you for being part of the Discord channel. Um, it has been bloody fantastic to welcome so many new people. Um, we love doing this, uh, even though this is a, a bit of a lengthy one to be the first one of the year. We promise it will be slightly more concise as the days and months go on when Max has already won the championship already. But don't forget that you can join our Discord server be part of the conversation join our fantasy league subscribe to us on youtube and on uh, any podcast app of your choice that's it for this episode see you only in a couple of days time as we review the saudi arabian grand prix we'll all sit in a drs train between now and vegas and then the bloody black planet will explode and that'll be it (laughs) Fully in positive today, Jim. <laughs> Sports Social Podcast Network.